bless the Lord, O my soul, and let's not forget any of his benefits, the psalmist says. So as we gather together today on this new month of Thanksgiving, we want to say thank you, God, for all you're doing, have done, will do, and are doing with us. And with that in mind, well, first, let me thank you. If you are a guest with us today, joining us online for the very first time, we welcome you and invite God's blessing upon you in that connection, wherever you are, or across the nation, around the world. And if this is your very first time to join us in this house, in this space, then we invite God's blessing upon you as well. Thank you so much for joining us. You honor us by your presence, and we invite God's blessing upon you. A lift of encouragement, hopefully, by your presence today. Now, to all of our Christ journeyers, I got something I want you to do for me today, and I really do mean I, I want you to do it. It's not hard. It'll only take a few moments, um, but I'm truly asking you to do something for me, but it's not just for me. It will bless you in the doing, and it can also have impact on others. It simply answered this question Why do you come here? You know, just a few words. Why do you come here? Another way to ask it Why do you come back? Another way to ask it Why do you keep coming back again and again and again? And then just a few words can you say what it is? What is the value? that draws you here to connect with us. When you experience this in the Christ Journey community, what is it? Can you say it? Do you know what it is? And um, like, for instance, is it renewed hope? Life is hard, you find strength for a new day. Or maybe it's support with your family. Or maybe it is uh, a lift as you carry some very difficult challenges in your life. Or maybe you listen and God gives you direction from his word or a sense of his presence. What is it? Now, I'm not putting words in your mouth. Those are all things that I have heard people say. I experienced that here. I'm just asking you, would you tell me what is true for you that keeps you coming here? and keeps you coming again and again. Now, why am I asking you? Well, first, you know, it is a month of Thanksgiving, and the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So we wanna hear voices of the redeemed saying so, okay? It's time to count our blessings, name them one by one, or the way Psalm 100 says it, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And come before him with praise. So I just, I'm wanting to ask you this. Just fill in the blank. I'm so thankful for my church because what? Just another way of saying the same thing. And then you can drop it in social. You can head it through Facebook or Twitter. Or you can email it to us at thanks at Christjourney.org. Can we say that together? Thanks at Christjourney.org. It's not hard to do, but what I'm asking you to do is just tell me what it is that keeps you coming back. Ask it in another way. If there were no Christ journey, what would you miss? That's another way of getting there. What is it that keeps you coming here? And uh, this is the month where we want, just want to count those blessings. You know, Jesus healed 10 lepers one day. The story's told in the Gospel of Luke. And it says that, only, that nine of them just went on their merry way, but one of them came back and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to be in that number of that one. You be the one that says thank you 
to the Lord like that Samaritan. Now it's true, it's important to voice your faith uh, because the Bible says that giving thanks is God's will. Did you know that? If you're seeking to do the will of God, I can tell you, it says, in everything give thanks for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. So your pastor is just inviting, let's all do the will of God together. Just take a moment and give thanks in answering the question, why do I come here? Why do I come back? Why do I come again and again? Of course, the Lord is worthy. He deserves our praise. We want to voice our thanksgiving. But as you do that, Jesus said we can shine our lights and other people will come to glorify our Father in heaven. They can find their way because of what they're hearing from you. This year alone, I don't know if you know this, we had almost 58,000 unique users joining us in worship online in our church experiences on the weekend. We have thousands that join us every Sunday like this. Some in the house, some online. And by the way, if you're one of those thousands out there that are connecting, I'm asking you too. Why do you keep coming back? Why do you, why do you connect with us? And then allow us to celebrate with you. And I'm telling you what we're experiencing, what I hear from people. So many people are finding us. They're meeting the Lord. They're coming back again and again. One of our uh, people right after the early service today told me, you know, it's just the connection I sense with God when I'm here. Well, what is it for you that keeps you coming back? I'll tell you what it is for me. We have something worth everyone having. What we share here is meant not just for us, but for others. This is the heartbeat of our church. We help people find and follow Christ. And so when we hear, how is Christ blessing you? Then, hey, he might do that for me. And then they'd be willing to step in. So please, do it now. Just a couple of moments, a couple of words. Go to our app, go to social, or send us something on email. Or if you're not into all that digital stuff, you know, digerati stuff, then just take one of those papers out of the place where you're seated and jot it down right now and then leave it in a tithe box before you leave today. Just take a couple of moments, a couple of words that are true for you. I'm so thankful for my church because why? Whatever's coming to mind, bring it to our mind. Would you do that? Now, why does that matter? I'll tell you why. Because so many people in our world are searching. So many people are longing. So many people are looking for something that to fill, some, that elusive something to fill that hole within, to bring them happiness, to bring them fulfillment, to bring them meaning or joy or contentment. That's the word in the title today. We're looking for contentment. We're searching. We're longing for more. More than simply existing. More than simply surviving. Though that matters. I mean, when you're in a pandemic, surviving matters. But we want more than simply physical survival. We're asking this. Where does contentment come from? How do you get it? How do you keep it? Where do you find it? And our world has some ideas for us. One of them that is so popular in our world, we, they get plenty of press. It's materialism. Materialism. You know what materialism is? Get all you can, can all you get, then sit on your can and keep what you got. <laughs> the, the motto is simply this. 
more stuff. And some people believe that contentment is found in amassing more stuff. You know, it's more things, more money, more position, more power, more possessions. But you always got to have more. And that usually involves experiences of comparison and competition with others. And then there's the fear of not having enough. (laughs) And that's not exactly a recipe for contentment. The... um, the jealousy and the envy, the white knuckling on the rise and fall of the economic roller coaster, whatever that is. The slave driving on the treadmill that you've got to produce more. That that elusive contentment is going to come to you if you can just get more. How's that working out? We're searching for contentment. Just because you have the most expensive bed doesn't mean you have the best night's sleep. Does it? And yet still, some people turn to more possessions, position in search of contentment. Another place that we go, hedonism. We just want pleasure. We believe that pleasure is going to bring us contentment. And so, whether it's pills or drugs or substances, the indulgence of pleasure, the avoidance of pain, stay as far away from pain as you can, use pornography, I mean, whatever, thinking that the thrill will fill the emptiness The thrill will fill the loneliness only to discover, I mean, we want to feel something. We want to feel good and then discover this. The need escalates too. It's called the law of diminishing return. The more you do, the less you feel, the more you need. And it's this endless cycle that just keeps you coming back again and again only to find that you don't really satisfy the soul. You don't find contentment in your soul by putting something into your body. And the list goes on. But my point is simply this. So many people are searching, and I'm praying that today will be the day of finding. We help people find and follow Jesus Christ. Finding contentment. Now, the Bible says a lot about contentment, and one of my favorite passages is from a little letter, a personal letter, that Paul wrote to people in Philippi, and it holds two of the most powerful and popular Bible verses in the entire Bible. See if you can hear them as I read from his letter, would you? How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. (laughs) I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it's with a full stomach or an empty one or whether with plenty or with little, I have learned I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, You've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought the good news. And then I traveled on from Macedonia. Even when I was in Thessalonica, we studied these places in an earlier series this year. You sent help more than once. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. They're like a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And the same God who takes care of me 
will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, 10 through 19. And that last verse in the New International reads like this. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. That's one of those powerful verses. And then the other one that perhaps you heard me say, I can do everything through Christ, verse 13, who strengthens me, who gives me strength. And those verses remind me that I don't think the Bible ever speaks about giving without offering a promise. That's the occasion for this writing, actually. Paul's writing a personal thank you note to God. Did you know that? This is a thank you note. (laughs) He's writing a thank you note to God and a thank you note to people for their generosity, their financial assistance, and he can't say thank you without reminding them of the promise of God to meet all of their needs. Oh, you guys took care of me, but I'm telling you, God's going to meet your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And you find that kind of promise all through the scripture. The truth is you cannot outgive God. And you may also remember that Philippi was that little place where Paul was in prison when he was taking the gospel into the European continent. He was there in prison before. He's writing from prison now, actually. Scholars believe he was in Ephesus, perhaps, but he was beaten and jailed in Philippi. That's Acts chapter 16. He and Silas, in the middle of the night, after being beaten and bloodied, are like singing praises in the middle of the night, and there was this earthquake, and it opens the doors, and the jailer is about to do himself in with a sword, and Paul intervenes, keeps the man from taking his life, and then helps him experience the forgiving grace of Jesus Christ before the night is out. And so the people in that church in Philippi that sent his gift, they know that story. They know that he was in prison there and now he's in prison there and they're saying, hey, we can do something to help you out here. And um, so they also had an appreciation and a special fondness for Paul as their father in the faith. So when they heard that he was having troubles, they gathered an offering, they sent it with Epaphroditus to him in prison. And now Paul is just writing this letter to say thank you. And then he says this, your gift has been physically life-giving to me, and he says it's been spiritually pleasing to God. And so I got to tell you, I'm so thankful that he wrote this little thank you note, because in it, he answers the question we're asking today, what is the secret to contentment? Where do you find it? How do you keep it? How can it find you? And there are three observations that are meant for our application. First, the secret of contentment is something you learn in your circumstances. Verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content. In, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in plenty or in want, contentment, in other words, is a learned reality. And what that means, that's good news, because if you don't have it right now, then Paul is saying you don't have to stay stuck there. In your frustration or in your disappointment or in your confusion, you don't have to stay there. You can learn. It's a learned reality. It's not something that only the elite 
or the privileged few or the very wealthy can hire people to come in and say, no, here's the secret of contentment. No, no, no. I'm telling you, every one of the children on the receiving end of our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes that we've been turning in, every one of those children can learn the secret of contentment. It's not a matter of age or of wealth. It's something that you can learn if you're willing. So it's for people that are, that are willing to learn. Is that you? You say, oh yeah, that's me. Where do I sign up for the class? I'll tell you this. Your circumstances in life are your classroom. Wait a minute. <laughs> Paul's in jail. That's a bit of a challenging learning environment, would you say? But that's exactly what he's writing to them. He writes to them and he says, you know what? My curiosity is up. My student, I'm a willing student and I am learning the secret in the middle of my circumstances. I'm telling you, you can do the very same. Whatever situation you're in right now can be a learning center for contentment, whether it's challenging or chill in your family situation right now, whether it's your health is up or your crisis is on, that can be the, your learning contentment is not dependent on your circumstances. In fact, changing circumstances are the training ground where the learning takes place. What does Paul say? He said, man, my circumstances are changing all the time. I'm up, I'm down, I'm in, I'm out. I've had plenty, I've, got, I've had nothing. You know, it's like, man, this stuff, that change, that's where the learning takes place. I know how, I've learned how to both be up and down, in and out, hot and cold. Here's the point. Your circumstances are the arena where God wants to teach you the secret of contentment if you will learn. But maybe you've already seen this, that it's not something that God teaches you just by bam, and then he gives you nothing but joy. I wanna learn, Lord, bam. He gives you nothing but comfort. Bam, he gives you nothing but easy. No, that's not what Paul's telling us about the secret here, is he? He says, sometimes you feel upside down and inside out. It's like, I don't get this. I find myself in a prison place. I got, what's going on here? Other times he said, man, it's like smooth seas and blue skies. But God mixes it up. <laughs> you know, he doesn't teach us in one pleasant environment. God is helping you to be ready for whatever. For whatever. And that means he's gonna use whatever as his teaching classroom. So you can know contentment, come what may. And have you noticed this? God doesn't do it all at once. Uh, this is so frustrating. God's timing. God's timing. Somebody said, you know, he's never late, but he's seldom early. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, God just takes his time. Now, in our culture, we like product more than process. You know, we want the diploma, we're not so hot on the schoolwork. We want it all, and we want it now. And the microwave does, is too slow. <laughs> we don't like to wait. But learning how to wait on God is part of the secret. The secret. Secret means a lot of people don't know this, do they? I was one of them. 
You know, there was a time in my life I lived like I was my own God. As a young adult, I was full of myself. I was cursing God's name. I was breaking God's laws. I was resisting God's will. I was living as God's enemy. And I was experiencing the circumstances of my life pushing me farther and farther away from God. And then there came a time when I turned toward God and I wanted to get closer to God and the trials and troubles of my life, I discovered they don't just have to push me away from God. They can actually push me closer to God. It just depends on where I'm standing. Trials and troubles don't have to push you farther away from God either. They can be the actual learning center for contentment depending on where you stand. Are you a willing student? Are you willing to learn? And if you do, if you stand closer to him, you know one of the things he's going to show you, one of the things he's going to teach you, one of the things you may learn there is Romans 8, 28 and how that works. We know that in all things, all things, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, how did Paul know that? Can I suggest to you that he learned it? <laughs> he learned it. The secret of contentment is something you learn in your circumstances. Second, the secret of contentment is something that you live in Christ. Verse 13, I can do, that's present active tense. Right now in my life, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now we're talking about just living your daily life, whatever comes. Here's the secret. Paul is not doing it in his own strength, not by his own willpower, not by his own want power. He is housing strength within him. You know, the scripture says your body is a temple. That strength is greater than himself. He's the wire, but God's the electricity. Paul is the channel, but the Holy Spirit is the river of living water that is rushing through the channel to get to the dry ground. God, Paul is the glove, and Christ is the hand inside the glove, filling him up so that every challenge, he's living his life like a glove. Every challenge that comes to the glove is a challenge to be met by the hand within it. Ben, can you help me out? Um, anybody been watching the World Series? Congratulations, Houston. Or not. Um, I got a glove with me. This is Georgie. He, he was playing the keyboards for us. He's a lefty. This is his glove. I'm just inviting you to imagine with me. Imagine with me that it is the bottom of the ninth. Bases are loaded. You're in the field. You're already winning the game. But there are two outs, and the at-bat is the winning run. And he's a hitter. Pitcher winds up, throws a pitch, smack. It is solid. It is gone. It is going, 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 gone. And there you are in the outfield, and you happen to leap with all of your strength, and you jump right up before that ball gets over the fence, and it's going to be that grand slam. You rob the grand slam home run with that glove. Can I ask you a question? What is the true statement? The glove caught that ball or your hand in it 
caught that ball? Did the athlete do it or did the tool do it? The answer is both. And this is Paul's answer to the secret of contentment. It's not something that God just gives you. It's something that God does in you and with you and through you. It's not transactional. It's transformational from within. And so the glove made the catch, but the athlete's hand filled the glove, and both are involved, both are necessary, and that's how the secret of contentment works. You and God together, Christ in you, giving you power and the ability to face your circumstance and overcome. The Apostle John says this too, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. Paul writes again, Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you. He's the hand in the glove, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Faithful is he who calls you. God takes you there, then he's gonna give you what it takes to get you through there. According to his, he, he calls you and he will do it. So here's the thing. You learn the secret by living it. This is on the job training. This is in the game practice. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. If you remain in me and I remain in you, then you will bear much fruit. So you learn how to do it by doing it. What are you doing? That's the appropriate question. Brother, sister, what are you doing right now in your circumstances, which are your learning environment right now? Are you living in his power in you? What are you doing? Are you doing it right now? Here's the thanksgiving prayer for that. Lord, thank you that every challenge upon me is a challenge upon you in me. Help me know that you're at work in me and in my circumstances right now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Third secret. The third secret of contentment is something that you lean into with wholehearted gratitude and generosity. Where do we see Paul doing this? He tells them, you know, you guys are the only people who came financially to help me expand the gospel through Greece. And then he says, I've received your gifts. They're more than enough. And they've also gone up as an act of worship that pleases God. What is he doing? I'm telling you, he's embracing the process of growing in relationship. He doesn't say, oh, I got this all by myself. I'm good, you take care of somebody else. He receives the help that they provide. So it's not pride, it's humility. He humbles himself and receives the gift, and then he says, thank you, and then he kicks it up a notch and says, you've been generous to me, and I'm sending it right back to you. God, as God has provided for me, I'm confident that God is going to provide for you, and he promises them even more. That's the pattern we see through Scripture. When the challenge comes to give, time, talent, treasure, then God links it with a promise to provide. The promise will be in there. For instance, prophet Malachi. Some of you know this text. The prophet said, quoting God, says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this. One of the few places in the whole Bible where God says, put me to the test. And he says, test me in this and see 
What? Well, here's the promise. There's the challenge. Here's the promise. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. There's the promise, overflowing promise. Now, Jesus said something similar. Luke chapter six, Jesus said, give. There's the challenge. Okay, where's the promise? Okay, so what comes next? Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, Luke 6, 38, Jesus said. So when Paul receives this gift from God's people and he responds by saying, oh, there's more on the way. God's got your address, watch for what's coming. He's gonna provide for you as you have been there. God will be meeting their needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is it's impossible Philippians 4.19, it's impossible to outgive God. And generosity gives birth to gratitude that in turn gives birth to even more generosity. Here's how that works. God's generosity, and it keeps cycling. That's the way the secret works. Lean in to that. Get in the flow of giving, receiving, giving again, receiving, and giving life so that the flow is fresh. Now, I've said this before, but the root of the word generosity is gene. G-E-N-E. Look familiar? That unit of heredity by which human beings receive and give life. There's a connection here that life happens from generosity as it is passed from generation to generation. All of those words are gene-centric. There's a reason for that. God is trying to say, this is how life travels. And it's in that flow, that contentment, here's where I'm going with all of that, that contentment finds you. What's the secret of contentment? The secret to life-giving contentment is leaning in to God's life-giving generosity. The secret to living is giving, in other words. And I guess that's why it's such a secret because it's so counterintuitive to our selfishness. There's some secrets that we don't pay attention to, but Paul is saying, you know, because we think we live by getting more, 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 more. Drink, drink. Watch, watch. Experiential hedonism. Jesus says, no, there's more to life. There's more life in giving. This is what Jesus said. There's more life in giving. Is this a secret to you? Or do you have evidence of it than receiving? Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed. There is more favor of God's generosity in giving than receiving. John Bunyan, he's the author of the classic Pilgrim's Progress. Here's what he wrote. There was a man, they thought him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. Does that sound crazy to you? How does that work? You don't get more when you give. That's crazy. Is it crazy to be generous? Yes. Crazy good. It's crazy like God, who the story of the Bible says, God began by giving. God gave us the cosmos. 
within the cosmos, it sustains this planet called Earth that God gives to us. And then God gives life to those who occupy the planet. And then God gives himself. He comes in his word to people. And then he comes in a body through Jesus Christ. And he gives himself to us. And then Jesus gives his body and his blood and breaks his body. Is this crazy? To be that kind of generous? And then Jesus, he rises from the dead after he gives his life and he gives his spirit. And then in his spirit, he says, now I don't want you doing this alone. So I'm gonna give you the church so that you can make, give, 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 give. This is the story of God in the Bible. This is crazy. Is it crazy to be so generous? It's crazy good. It's crazy like God. Why would he do such a thing? Well, John 3.16 tells us for God so loved that he gave. The genesis of generosity, you really want to know where it is from Scripture, it's the love of the living God. That's what gets the whole thing going, flowing, and keeps it growing. This is how God is, and when he sees his kids behaving like him, his life, his blessing, his favor shows up. And he keeps it going and flowing and growing. And sometimes people think, oh, I'd be more generous if I had more. Here's the truth. You'd have more if you'd be more generous. That's what this whole thing has been trying to say. That's a secret that a lot of people don't live out of. Do you know this secret? Or you just know that it's something you don't know, which means it's still a secret to you. Or would you be willing to let your circumstances right now, no, I'm not going for your wallet. Some of you are thinking, oh, here's where he goes for the wallet. No, no, I'm not. I'm telling you, if you want to learn contentment, then you need to learn in the circumstances where you are. What do you learn? You learn how to live in the Christ who is alive in you and lean in to the way he does life. And the way he does it is through giving. And that sets in motion generosity that generates and regenerates generations. And that's how it will come to you. Jesus said this, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Time, talent, treasure. I'm all about it getting, and to give. Huh. I'm so thankful for my church because it helps me find and follow Christ. Is that what you're doing, brother, sister? Talking to journeyers now. We don't come to feed, we come to follow. Chew on this, swallow it, take it in, ask the Lord, what about me, Lord? Could contentment find me if I would learn the secret? You're not gonna get it in a class, but you're in the circumstances right now that give you a chance to say, Lord, be my Lord, be my life. And I will follow you. How do you start? Okay, I would say start with Jesus. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've been to church and you've been about religion or you come because it's your tradition, then I would say the first step for you is to invite Jesus Christ to come alive in you for real. Start with Jesus and trust him as your Savior. Then invite him to start guiding your decision-making. 
that let his wisdom start showing you where to put your steps and how to live your life. Invite his spirit to live in you and lead your life. And then third is let the generosity flow start. Start giving to the Lord's work. Give something. Start somewhere. But trust the promise because the challenge always comes with a promise. And the promise, as you put him to the test, Jesus said this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. And you take a portion of your treasure and you put it in God's hands and watch what happens to your heart and see if God doesn't surprise you through generosity with gratitude and find you some contentment. Pray with me. Thank you, God, for your gracious generosity toward us. You've given us so much time and again So many things we don't understand, so many things beyond our reach and grasp. But I pray that today your spirit will take your word, apply it to the hearts of your people, to my heart, and then help me grow, help us grow in letting contentment truly find us. Right now, friend, would you invite the Holy Spirit to be your teacher in your circumstances? Wherever you find yourself, whatever's going on, Lord, would you meet me here and teach me how to trust you and let your strength show up in me? And then how to let that life flow through me through acts of generosity as I serve, as I give time and talent, as I put my treasure where I want my heart to be. Brother, sister, if that's your prayer today and you would let me ask God's blessing upon you in that obedience, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're seated? You can say, Lord, speaking to me and I'm listening to you. Lord, for every person, every one of your children who is saying, I hear you, Lord, and I want to take that step. I'm trusting you in it all over the room. Amen. And now I want to say our heads are still bowed, our hearts are open, our eyes are closed. But if you realize that you come to church because it's a tradition thing, or you come to church to be seen, or you come to church for, but you don't know about the living hand of God inside your spirit, inside your heart, and you'd like to start that journey, then today is the day. You can pray this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. I believe you were on the cross dying for me. I believe you rose from the dead so now you could come alive in me by your spirit. And I open my heart to you. I turn from my way and want to learn how to go your way. And I receive you now by faith. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, And would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith as a new believer. Would you raise your hand wherever you're seated? If you're joining us online, please get into the conversation there and let us know. Thank you, right? Here toward the front in the middle and in the back. God bless you. And over against the wall to my right. God bless you. Lord Jesus, for every person right here in the middle, I'm seeing another young woman. Lord, for every person who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open to your spirit. Come alive in me. 
we pray right now that you would grant them that sense of your presence, the peace that passes understanding, the joy bubbling up in their heart that just lets them know that you will never leave them or forsake them as we make this prayer in your name, Jesus. Amen.